0: Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your great love for us in revealing it to us. I pray that you would make us great recipients of what you have for us today, that we might bear fruit, that we might glorify you, and that may our uh, lives, be a reflection of your goodness to those around us. Anything that I have to say that is not from you, Lord, may it be quickly forgotten, that you may receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I want to start today from the book of Isaiah in chapter 5. And what we know is that there's a story that's being told, and it's a, it's a well-known story, especially within agricultural, ancient cultures. People would know the story of vineyards and that, that vineyards were something that people um, planted and that they were, uh, they were keen on. Everybody appreciated a good wine uh, in, in, in ancient times as well as today. And it starts out uh, in Isaiah 5, uh, 1 through 7, And we have a few characters and what the character, um, the principal character has done. And we know that the the first says somebody's kind of bearing witness to what's happened. And they say, my beloved. Um, And that my beloved is somebody who's going to hold the people accountable for what this vineyard will be. And it says, my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. So this person who knows what they're doing picked a very great spot to plant a vineyard. And he dug it, and he cleared it of stones. He got everything in the ground, watered it and ready to go. And if any of you have ever done any kind of agricultural work, you know what that entails. Um, every time you pick up one stone, there's four, and they just multiply like that. And when you weed, there seems every one you pull up, there's seven. So he dug it and he cleared it of stone, and he planted it with choice vines. He got everything ready to go. And then he built a watchtower. And watchtowers in the ancient world were built to protect versus enemies. The time when a harvest was occurring was especially the time when enemies would show up. I mean, there's nothing better than, than having somebody else do all the work, right? Pick the spot, clear the stones, get rid of the weeds, do all the work, and then you show up and take their stuff. That's how that would work in the ancient world. And so they built a watchtower, and that's to protect from enemies, If you think about the story of Gideon, if you're familiar with that story at all, when when angels come to Gideon, what is Gideon doing? He's threshing the wheat and he's hiding it. Why? Because the enemies of Israel were coming through and they were taking the wheat just at the harvest time. So this is what the watchtower is for. So he hewed out a wine vat, which means that you would literally go to a place of stone, you would dig it out in the ground, and you'd create an area where people could put the wine. It's usually stone, and then once you get all the wine in there, people would get in there and smash it down, the trampling of the grapes. You're familiar with that thing. Well, it would be, think about how gross that is actually. It's really gross. So they'd be barefooted guys walking around in the first century, smashing grapes. Nasty. So what happens is, is that they would, they would be in this wine press, they would smash the grapes down, and then the, the wine would run into another uh, pit, and they would have uh, a natural filter through twigs and other things, and the wine would be filtered through there, and then it would go and settle in another place. And so, so when you talk about digging a, uh, a wine vat, it's, it's quite a complicated procedure. There would be wooden coverings to keep it from the heat, so, so that, you know, the wine doesn't ferment and get weird um, and, and ruined. And so in Isaiah 5, you have everything. It's all perfect. It's ready to go. And there's no reason that this should not yield good grapes. It's, it's, all, it's all ready. But somehow, some way, their orientation got screwed up. So the vineyard is supposed to be a place of blessing. We know how wine is used throughout the Scriptures. It's always a sense of of blessing and goodness. It's supposed to be a place of blessing. It's supposed to be a place of abundance. A place of peace. A place of refuge. A place of justice. A place of righteousness. And a place where everybody wants to be. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to the vineyard like that, right? So maybe they, maybe they forgot the master. The one who set it up and started it off on the, on the right trajectory. Maybe they forgot the master. Maybe they didn't weed it or care for the garden or the needs that it requires. Maybe they just kind of forgot. Maybe the fence was in disrepair or maybe the wine press didn't have the appropriate shade. Maybe the tower went unused. From Isaiah, we don't really know exactly what happened. What we do know is that this vineyard that had everything set up for it produced wild grapes. And wild grapes are unfit for the wine the master wanted. As a matter of fact, they're just kind of unfit. I mean, animals might kind of like wild grapes, but humans aren't. Like, hey, wild grapes, don't make yummy wine. Let me have some of that. There's no good wine here. There's no profit. There's no blessing. And the name of the master is diminished. You see, we know about wineries in today's world, right? Where The brand is important. And you say, oh, it's that kind of wine. Well, it's going to be great because we know there's this consistent effort around that particular brand of wine and it's going to be really good. And so when there's wild grapes, it says something really key about the owner of the vineyard. And even though everything was set up and it was supposed to work perfectly, it didn't. Isaiah says, he looked for justice, but there was bloodshed. And he looked for righteousness, but there was an outcry. There's something wrong with the vineyard. There's something going on here. And so God judges the vineyard. He says he'll turn his back on the vineyard. He'll let the weeds come and he'll tear down the walls and he'll take down the watchtower and he'll do all that stuff and let the vineyard go its own way. And what we know is the vineyard is God's people. The master is God, and the people are not producing what the master wants. They get off target. They allow something other than God to be what directs and motivates and identify them, or something happens. So God allows it to go the way that it chooses. So, fast forward to Matthew 21. Jesus tells a story, a well known story about a vineyard. He says, you know, God sets it up. He says, the master, someone who's to be accountable, planted a vineyard. He got everything in the ground, watered and ready to go. Put a fence around it. He built protections from animals and provided barriers. Dug a wine press in it. They were still using bare feet. Built a tower to protect it versus its enemies. And so on. So Jesus tells the well-known story about what a vineyard is like and who cares for a vineyard and how that vineyard is to be set up. And he says, here's something you've already known. And so it's a story set up like people in the ancient world would have heard and they would have gone like, oh yeah, I know this story. You may even know about what Isaiah had to say about a vineyard previously. But Jesus offers a twist on this particular story, and and it's coming at a critical time in the history of Israel, in the history of humanity. Frankly, because Jesus has come into Jerusalem, and he's he's finishing three years of ministry, and, he, and he's coming in. And it's as if he's he's circling around, and he's already been to the temple, and and there's a prophetic nature about what it is that he's doing because he's already judged the temple, and he's already judged the sacrificial system. And and when people want to use Jesus' example of turning over tables as a violent thing and say, see, Jesus was violent, I can be violent. That's rubbish. It's rubbish. Because Jesus was shutting down the sacrificial system. This is no longer working the way it was supposed to work. So Jesus speaks about a vineyard. This time, it's the people who look over the vineyard who are corrupt. They beat and they killed and they stoned the servants sent to collect the proceeds from the vineyard. The very thing that the master should expect from his people and the proceeds that come from being a vine uh, owner of a vineyard, the, the people rob him of those things. When more servants are sent, they did the same. And finally, the master's son comes, and they throw him out of the vineyard and kill him. the The religious leaders aren't doing their job. That's what's happening here. They're supposed to promote the beauty and blessing and abundance and peace and refuge and justice and righteousness, and to point to who God is all about. They're supposed to be doing that, and they're in it for themselves. They're in it for themselves. They're wanting to protect their power and their perceived authority or the things that are theirs. They don't want there to be any disruption to what it is that they hold dear. So it looks like this. God makes a garden. garden produces wild grapes, which are bloodshed and injustice, outcry. God lets the garden go the way it wants. God makes a garden. He puts caretakers over the garden. The caretakers act in an evil way. And God judges the caretakers and gets new ones. Now Jesus adds this twist and this analogy. And it's a little different. And If I were to critique Jesus, I would say, you don't use two analogies in one story, Jesus, because it throws people off. Said Bob, who uses analogies all the time. But it's, a different, it's different because we've been talking about agriculture. We've been talking about vineyards. And he says, he says, have you never read in the Scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. And it was marvelous in our eyes. This is from Psalm 118. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when this stone falls on anyone, it will crush them. So if you, if you listen closely to what Jesus is saying, you can hear the story of Joseph in these, in these words. Joseph was the one who was beaten, thrown in a well, sold for slavery, put in prison, and would be the one who redeemed all of Israel from slavery. Jesus was born in the wrong place, from the wrong mom, with the wrong profession, doing all the wrong things, and will be killed by so-called experts and become Lord over hell, sin, and death. See, the stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone. In ancient Israel, even though it had its vineyard set up by God, ready to go, took its cues about how to behave from the culture they looked around and said, well, we, we want a king. We want a king like every other organization and, 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 and group and, and people around us. They, they all have kings. We need a king. And he says, I'm your king. No, we want a king. Because we want to look like them. And God said, listen, this is how kings act. It's not a good thing. You'd really rather have me. No, we want a king. We really want something to rule over us, someone. And the irony is, is that what we see when Jesus is crucified and He's before Pilate, we hear people say, we have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. We've completely abandoned God as the one who will direct our steps, as the one who will give us guidance, as the one who will bring all of the things that the vineyard is supposed to bring. We're changing that out for something else. So they choose a leader. We need a leader. God brings them Saul. So instead of being distinct, they began to look like everyone around them kind of like a vineyard with no walls. It just goes the way of the land. And the first century, leaders took their lead from the culture as well. They were more concerned about power. Let's make sure that this Jesus guy doesn't take any power that we have. We don't want to lose that for sure. We don't want to give power away. We, we, we don't want there to be people who have more money and influence than us. We, we have to actually have the right politics. If this doesn't sound familiar, it needs to sound familiar, church. They took their lead from the culture. Their ideologies and their stances on all sorts of social justice issues in the first century. And they became caretakers out for their own good. Hoarding and keeping and making sure that what they had was safe and that there was no problem and that we don't give up anything. Like teachers who aren't there for the kids, but there for themselves. And there's a mix of metaphor again. They will be judged. They will be replaced. So, when we take our cues from the culture, we're like the people in the Old Testament who took their lead from their culture. They have other gods, they're intermarrying, adopting customs, and they produce wild grapes. And when we take our cues from the culture, we're like the people in the New Testament who took their lead and they followed power and politics and money and ideology and they were replaced because they lost their way. Jesus is the cornerstone. And when you think about the builders, the builders rejected the cornerstone. They're the ones who are supposed to know everything about building and how to build and what to build, etc., etc. And they said, this one's not fit. And he is the chief cornerstone. The stone from which everything orients. Everything. That stone in a building project helps build the entire building. Politicians, those in power, those with money, those with influence, those with their own agendas, they rejected Jesus. But now he will be judging them. It's the it's twist. You see, we, people think they have power. And they think they have influence and they think they have all of these things and they're false idols because you have this cornerstone that is going to trip them up. And it's going to cause them to break. And if that stone falls on them, they will shatter because it's the kingdom of God. It's not man-made. It's not some false ideology. It's not some pretense to power. It is God. Jesus will be what the rulers and kingdoms and powers and ideologies and principles crash upon and break into little pathetic pieces because he is the measure of what it means to be God's and what it means to be human. He's where all of creation will orient itself from. There's no other perspective, it's him. He's where we're to orient our lives from, not our culture, not our politics and leaders, etc., etc., because they will shatter upon the chief stone, which is Jesus. So if you take this cornerstone to its logical conclusion, when we take our lead or orientation from a place, we get off target. You build something that's askew. If we take our lead from whatever it may be, We become a vineyard that produces wild grapes. And they look like worry, and those grapes taste like fear, and anger, and hatred, and bitterness, and division. if you are eating those things, repent. Repent. When we take our orientation from any other place than Jesus, we get off target and we become caretakers who are out for our good. So our politics and economy and power and ideology and the best thoughts of man for our own good, they're not caring for the king of kings or for his kingdom. We're not concerned for the name of his product when it's out for us. We're not worried about the brand for the vineyard. We're worried about us. I know we're in a pandemic. I know there's a lot of uncertainty. I know this isn't easy. This is our chance, church. This is our chance. Because the light shines brightest in the darkness. The vineyard is supposed to be a place of blessing. A place of abundance a place of peace, a place of refuge, a place of justice, a place of righteousness, and a place where everyone wants to be. That's the vineyard of the Lord, and we are the vineyard of the Lord. So are you experiencing a rich sense of God's abundance with you? He sends his blessing upon you. Is the peace of God that passes all understanding overwhelming your hearts and your minds to such a degree that people have no idea how you can function the way you are functioning? Are you experiencing safety or refuge? What about justice and righteousness? Do others want to be in your company because you are producing these fruits? If not, it could be that you're building a house with a cornerstone that doesn't look like Jesus. The whole thing could be crooked, and at some point, it will judge itself by collapsing. We could be the place where the church is being run over with repentant people. I think that came from Father Peter's sermon the other day. Our friends and neighbors could be turning to us for hope. Not just for our political sentiments or our social opinions, but the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We have to be as concerned with being beautiful, as we are concerned with being right. The world needs a place and a people of blessing, a place of abundance, a place of peace, a place of refuge, a place of justice, a place of righteousness, and a place where everyone wants to be because God is present among his people and he's revealed in and through his people. No so-called expert, no politician, election, affiliation, ideology, and no amount of money or influence can build this vineyard. So I want to tell you an ancient story about a vineyard. My beloved, the Lord our God, who will hold people accountable for what the vineyard will be, had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. That's you, and that's me. He dug it and cleared it of stones. He poured out his grace and his mercy upon us. He planted it with choice vines. He forgave us and adopted us. And he built a watchtower. He placed his Holy Spirit in us. And He hewed out a wine vat. He made us ready to share the blessing that come from being His. And the Lord says, what more is there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? May we produce the fruit of the vineyard in such a way That we embody what God is calling us to be and to do. And may we produce a place for people to come running. To come running to receive what they so deeply need. May it be so, church. May it be so.